Jesus name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hosea chapter number 4 verse number 6. I want to focus on the first part of that verse, the first statement actually. It says this, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. In 1970, there were one out of 10,000 children in the United States that were diagnosed with autism. There were one out of 10,000 children in the United States that were diagnosed with autism. Today, in 2020, it is one out of 50. One out of 50 in 2020 children are diagnosed with autism today in 2020. So the growth obviously, uh, you know, since 1970 is explosive. It is massive. It's almost even exponential if you do the numbers, meaning it is like continually doubling upon the past number. In the USA today, every seven minutes a child is being diagnosed with autism. Every seven minutes, a child is being diagnosed with autism. And of course, the question is, what is happening? What is going on? That's not normal. One out of 10,000 in in 1970, I'm sorry, one out of 10,000 children had autism. Today, it's one out of 50. Something's happening. Something is changing. And if you ask the supposed medical authorities and the medical professionals, what do they say? We have no idea. We have no clue what's going on. That's their answer. They say, we don't know. Hosea chapter 4 verse number 6 says, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. People have no clue. The majority have no idea what's going on. Something's happening. Something is changing. Something is going on. Something is destroying the citizens of the United States of America and obviously God's people likewise. God, there's nothing different. Obviously, they're being affected just the same. But people are clueless. They have no idea what's going on. Christians are clueless and we're being destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And what it really comes down to is that it's a lack of Scripture. It's a lack of understanding the Bible and how we should live our lives. Now, a lot of people have the idea that the Bible just gives you a moral layout of how to live your life, and that is not true. The Bible has all manner of science And it has all manner of sanitation and all manner of cleanliness in the way in which you should live your lives. And the science that is laid out in the Bible is decades, centuries far ahead of science of man. The title of the sermon this morning is Why Christians Should Not Vaccinate. Why Christians Should Not Vaccinate. Vaccinate. I want you to turn. We're going to begin in Leviticus chapter number 11. Leviticus chapter number 11. Now, I'm going to start with giving you the definition of what it means to vaccinate or what a vaccine is. This is obviously something in very popular in modern day science and modern day medicine. The definition of a vaccine is just this. A substance used to stimulate the production of antibodies and provide immunity against one or several diseases. So it is basically a substance that is taken and modern day it is injected into the body, into the bloodstream, and it is used to try to get the antibodies, your immune system, to respond to this virus, supposedly, and then to begin to build an immunity against it, to where any time you come in contact with that virus or that disease, whatever it may be later, that your body is capable or able to fight it off, and you become immune to it. Now, I'm going to get into all of that, and you may have heard the word inoculation used before. It's a very common word that's used as well when it talks about vaccines, and that is basically the purpose of a vaccine. 
working there trying to inoculate you. And what that means is, just as I said, they are trying to put the disease inside of your body, cause your body to build an immunity to it, and now you have been, as they would say, inoculated to that disease. You've been protected from that disease. Now, Jesus Christ said in John 17, he said, thy word is truth. He said, thy word. Speaking to God, of course, thy word is truth. We're Christians, so we believe that God's word is truth, that the Bible is true. And because of that, this should be our authority. The Bible should be our authority in all manners of faith and practice in our life. If we have something in our life that we're curious about, if we have something in our life that we need an answer for, what what should I do? What direction should I go? You know what you need to do? This may be foreign to you, but you need to go to the Bible because I guarantee that the Bible has the answer for you. And if there's an area of your life where you're being destroyed, if there's an area of your life where you're being harmed or hurt, or maybe the United States is being harmed or hurt, you know what it's probably going on in that situation? You're probably being destroyed for a lack of knowledge, for a lack of knowledge of God's Word. Now, the world today, is the Bible their authority in the United States of America? Their authorities, in this case, would be what? Medical professionals. It would be doctors. They would say that the doctors are their authorities. And they would say that, hey, you know, we believe the doctors. You know, we believe the, the medical professionals. They are, they are our authorities. If we were talking about vaccines or any manner of science or anything like that, they would say, hey, it's been tested. It's been lab approved. The professionals say it's all right. In the 1930s and 40s, there were many ads that were run. And these, they were ran on uh, radio and on television, but there was one in particular on television that I pulled, I extracted an actual statement from, a quote. It was a licensed practitioner, a licensed medical professional, uh, as far as a doctor. He was sitting there and he said this, don't be foolish, take your doctor's advice. Smoke a fresh cigarette. You may or may not be aware of this, but in the 1930s and the 1940s, the doctors peddled and pushed that smoking cigarettes were good for you. They said not only did they teach and did they, their doctrine was that, hey, you know, it's not, not healthy for you. It's not unhealthy at all. They went further and said, hey, you actually should smoke. It's healthy for you. It's good for your breathing. It's good for your lungs. You know, for about 20, almost 30 years in the U.S., the medical and scientific community sold the idea to the United States of America and all of its citizens that cigarettes were good for you, that smoking cigarettes were good for you. I'm sure that there are a lot of people that said, hey, I'm going to take my doctor's advice. I guarantee that there were a lot of people that did not smoke previously, that began smoking because they went with the doctor's advice. They went with the professional's advice. They went with the authorities of their day. You know what else they said was, there was another ad that, that said this, and the man was also a doctor, he was a professional doctor, a practitioner, and he made this statement at the very end, it's been lab tested and lab approved. That was a statement that he made. Speaking about cigarettes and why you should smoke them and make sure you smoke a fresh cigarette when you smoke one. After about 20 years, there was an influx of people that began smoking. The number of people that began smoking grew dramatically. I know my father mentioned this, which makes perfect sense, that when he was a child, just about every single person smoked. It's true or not? Everybody. The, that was a result of doctors peddling and selling the idea that smoking cigarettes was healthy for you. That is what took place there. Well, also in those 20 to 30 years, not only were the amount of people that were smoking increasing, but there was 
a massive amount of breathing complications that came with this as well. Lung complications, all different types of lung diseases, disorders, and even lung cancer. And obviously, uh, you know, by the time it was the, I believe it was the, the end of the 1940s, the beginning of the 1950s, they were forced to admit that smoking cigarettes is bad for you and that you should not smoke. Do not smoke fresh cigarettes. You should not smoke and that they are bad for you. It took about 20 to 30 years for them to admit that. So 20 to 30 years they were teaching, hey, smoking is healthy. So if, if, if you just, in let's say 1920s, 1930s, if you lived in the 1930s and you went with the medical professional's advice, I'm sure that you, like many people, I'm positive of this, died from a lung complication, a lung disorder. You know why? Because they just went with the, the medical authority. They just went with the medical professional's advice. There, are, there has been all sorts of bunk science, garbage science that have come out of the medical and science community, not only in the United States of America, just, but just in history in general. Why? Because man is fallible. Man is wrong all the time. But here's the good news. God is never God is never wrong. God is always right, and it's always true, and God's word is truth. And that's why this should be our authority. And that's why, you know, the, the science of the world, it's always changing. Hey, eggs are good for you. They're not good for you. Eggs are good for you. They're not good for you. The diets change constantly. All different types of things change constantly. But God's word never changes. I want you to look with me at Leviticus chapter number 11. We're going to go through a couple of things here. Look at verse number 24. The Bible says this. And for these ye shall be unclean. Whosoever toucheth the carcass of them shall be unclean until the even. And whosoever beareth aught of the carcass of them shall wash his clothes and be unclean until the even. The carcasses of every beast which divideth the hoof and is not cloven-footed, nor cheweth the cud, are unclean unto you. Every one that toucheth them shall be unclean. And whatsoever goeth upon his paws, among all manner of beasts that go on all four, those are unclean unto you. Whoso toucheth their carcass shall be unclean until the even. And he that beareth the carcass of them shall wash his clothes and be unclean until the even. They are unclean unto you. So here in Leviticus chapter number 11, we can see that God is commanding the nation of Israel, which are his people, to avoid or to stay away from that which is unclean. And specifically, he gives them something in particular here that is considered to be and classified unclean. Now, there's a lot of things in the Old Testament that God... God will call, will say is unclean. Many different things. And he has a lot of different things that he, that he speaks of uh, that uh, would be in regards to sanitation. A lot of people are unaware of this, but the Bible talks about cleanliness. It talks about disease. It talks about sanitation. And it gives you a guideline of how you are supposed to live your life. And it over and over again gives you the same advice about that which is unclean. And do you know what it is? It's stay away from it. It's avoid it and don't touch it. Don't come into contact with it. Right here, we see that one thing that is labeled or classified as unclean is a dead carcass. What is it? It's the dead body of an animal. That is the first thing that we can see that we are supposed to stay away from, not come into contact with, dead animals. I want you to go ahead and turn over now to Leviticus chapter number 21. I want to give you another thing. So I want you to keep that in mind. Number one, we're going to go through and classify a couple of things that God considers to be unclean. Keep this list in your mind. I'm going to be referring to it in just a moment. We'll come back to it. But number one, the first thing that we're going to see here that God says is unclean is dead animals. Number two, the very next thing is a dead body. 
This is a human being. You're supposed to stay away from not come into contact with and not touch dead bodies. Leviticus chapter number 21 verse number 11 says this, Neither shall he go in to any dead body, nor defile himself for his father or for his mother. I want you to look at Numbers chapter number 19 verse number 16. So again, that was Leviticus 21.11, Neither shall he go into any dead body, nor defile himself for his father or for his mother. Notice that it makes him unclean if he touches this dead body. Look at Numbers chapter number 19, verse 16. And whosoever toucheth one that is slain with a sword in the open fields, or a dead body, or a bone of a man, or a grave, watch this, he shall be unclean seven days. So notice over and over again, there's many other examples than this, the Bible classifies dead bodies, or a dead person as being unclean. We're supposed to stay away from it. Notice he says, don't defile yourself with it. He even uses the word, it says, and whosoever toucheth one that is slain with a sword in the open fields. What's he saying? Don't come into contact with it. What's the point? Avoid it. Stay away from it. Don't touch it. Don't come into contact with it. So we can see number two is dead bodies are unclean. I want you to turn now to Leviticus chapter number 13, verse number 44. I want to give you a third thing that you are supposed to stay away from according to the Bible and according to God's Word. We are supposed to stay away from disease. We are supposed to stay away from disease. Leviticus 13, I want you to look with me at verse number 44. Leviticus 13, 44. The Bible says this, He is a leprous man. He is unclean. So leprosy is a type of disease. It classifies him as unclean. It says, The priest shall pronounce him utterly unclean. His plague is in his head. Verse 45, And the leper in whom the plague is, that's like the disease, his clothes shall be rent and his head bare, and he shall put a covering upon his upper lip and shall cry, Unclean, unclean. Verse 46, All the days wherein the plague shall be in him, he shall be defiled. So notice, unclean is defiled. He is unclean. He shall dwell alone without the camp shall his habitation be. So notice that when someone is identified as having a disease, they are a, you know, uh, they are a symptomatic carrier, right? Because in this case, they're able to diagnose it because they see the symptoms. That's how they test them and everything. That this person is supposed to shave their head, their clothes are rent, they're destroyed, they're thrown away. And then this man is supposed to be taken and he's quarantined. Everybody's very you know, uh, uh, familiar with that word right now. He's taken and he's quarantined. And the purpose is he's a carrier of this disease. And you know what needs to take place is we don't want this disease around the people. We don't want this disease within the camp and around the nation of Israel. So what we want to do is we want to take this man and his dwelling is without the camp. He needs to be out there isolated on his own and quarantined away from everyone else. Why? Because God doesn't want the disease around them. Because he's carrying this infection. He's carrying this sickness, this plague, this particular vi virus or whatever it is. So notice it's unclean. And again, we see this all three times. The dead animal, what is the advice that God gives? Don't touch it. Stay away from it. And if you do, you are now unclean. Avoid it. Stay away from things that are, that are unclean. Now, doesn't this sound just basic logic? And a lot, of time, this is how, a lot of times, this is how science is. Science is just, it's just by observation. A lot of things, it's just on face value. You can just look and observe with your, your five senses. And you can just, just make a judgment based upon what would be considered common sense. Things that are unclean, you stay away from. Dead animals, they're unclean, avoid it. Stay away from it. Common sense. Dead bodies, right? Avoid it. Stay away from it. Why? 
Because dead bodies immediately, when, when you die, your body begins to produce and to give off bad microorganisms immediately. You start to give off and it, your body starts to corrupt and to rot and those things can become infections inside of you. Now, obviously man, Israelites wouldn't have known that. But God knew that, and he's obviously looking out for the Israelites, and he's saying, hey, if somebody dies, you stay away from it. Why? Because immediately the body begins to decay, and it starts to produce bad microorganisms, organisms that they wouldn't have been able to see, they wouldn't have been able to know about, but God says what? Stay away from it. And then right here, thirdly, we have another example with a disease, with a virus, with a plague. And what does he say? Stay away from it. Put them outside the, the camp. Don't get near it. Don't have anything to do with it. Stay away from it. When someone's sick, when someone is infected and they're a carrier of something, he doesn't say, hey, put them with everybody, right? And this is sensible quarantining. You don't notice that it's not like, hey, everybody in the whole city needs to lock down. Everybody in the whole nation of Israel, nobody needs to go anywhere. Everybody just lock yourselves down. You can be an asymptomatic carrier. No, it's sensible quarantine. Do you know what he does? He says, hey, we can identify this guy's sick. You take the sick guy and you get rid of him. You don't make everybody else that's healthy and there's nothing wrong with them locked down. And not only that, there you have in the Bronze Age as well, if you notice with that man, uh, he had a, a, a Bronze Age face mask. Because if you're reading, what the, the man that has the plague is supposed to do is he's supposed to put his hand over top of his mouth and he's supposed to say, unclean, unclean. This is just proof of, of this being God's word. You, know, you can't find anything like this in any other culture, any other you know, holy books, anything like that. You know what it, God knew? That it spreads through droplets. That it spreads through breathing on people. So he said, hey, make sure that they... And this is you know, uh, uh, Surgeon General approved. You put your hand over your mouth and you say unclean and unclean. So there you have your first face mask and quarantining taking place in the nation of Israel. But what's the point? I don't want you to come in contact with it. I want to make sure that everyone else is protected and I want you to stay away from it. What's the point? Take him and get him out of the camp. I don't want you near the virus. I don't want you touching the virus. Isn't it just common sense? That which is unclean, stay away from. That which is dirty and filthy and bad and can make you sick and, and can harm you, stay away from it. I don't want you near it. Go to Numbers chapter number 19. Numbers chapter number 19. Numbers chapter number 19. The first vaccination was created in 1796 by a man named Edward Jenner. He was credited as the founder of the pioneer of vaccines. He set out to develop a smallpox vaccine, a smallpox vaccine. He used his, his own son and then another neighborhood boy named James Phipps as his guinea pigs. Uh, over There was a course of a few months... He injected them with various concoctions a few different uh, uh, times of cowpox, smallpox, and horse grease. He would first put into a, 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 a shot, right? He would put into it a, uh, in the vial and would shoot them up with cowpox and horse grease. Then the second time, he shot them up with uh, smallpox and horse grease. Then he did it again. He gave them another shot of smallpox and Horse grease. Horse grease. After the third injection into his son, he developed brain damage and was mentally retarded for the rest of his life. He died at the age of 21 from smallpox. At the age of 21, he died from smallpox. The neighborhood boy, James Phipps, died at the age of 20 from, you guessed it, the same disease as he was uh, vaccinated for, smallpox. 
smallpox. Before the boys died, Edward Jenner managed to convince the local medical authorities that he had found the cure to smallpox. And then consequently, consequently, the vaccine was widespread. It spread throughout the area because smallpox was a very big deal at that time and many people were being infected with smallpox. He, they spread this out, but then when the, the vaccine, if you study it and you look at it, everybody admits this on both sides. Uh, if you look at the numbers, uh, smallpox exploded even worse at that time. Do you know why? Because they were taking that which is unclean and, and the disease and they were putting it into this vial and they're shooting it up into people. And of course that caused an explosion of smallpox. And if you hear about the explosion of smallpox and when it was very dangerous in our nation, that is due to Edward Jenner. Despite obviously his failure experiment, experiment and you know just this botched experiment vaccines are exalted today and he is still exalted as being the father of modern vaccines and it's and it is considered to be the greatest the greatest achievement in modern medicine that is the story of the very first vaccination. Now I'm going to go through, what I'm going to do here is I'm going to go through different reasons why. I want everyone to pay close attention why this is very important on why Christians should not vaccinate. Why Christians should not vaccinate. And I'm going to give you the different reasons why biblically. I'm an anti-vaxxer. I fall into the category of being anti-vax. And do you know why? Because the Bible is anti-vax. I'm going to demonstrate to you from Scripture that it is ungodly, it is unclean, it is unchristian, and it is anti-Bible to vaccinate. I'm going to show you that the Bible gives you specific commands of things to stay away from, things to not do, things to avoid, and they're all contained therein in modern day vaccinations. The very first reasons why reason why Christians should not vaccinate is because vaccines include ingredients and cells from dead bodies. I want you to look again at Numbers chapter number 19, verse number 14. Numbers chapter number 19, verse number 14, it says this, This is the law when a man dieth in a tent. All that come into the tent and all that is in the tent shall be unclean seven days. And every open vessel which he hath no covering bound upon it it is unclean. We read a moment ago, Leviticus chapter number 21, verse number 11. It says this, Neither shall he go into any dead body, nor defile himself. There's very clear commands to stay away from dead bodies. To stay away from that which is dead. Dead carcasses, dead bodies, specifically dead human beings. Now, furthermore, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but vaccines contain cells from dead bodies. They contain, they contain cells from dead bodies. And to be more specific, they don't only, only contain cells from dead bodies, they contain cells from dead babies. They, they contain cells from aborted babies. They are cells that were extracted from babies that were aborted, and they will take those cells and they will use those cells as a substrate. And I'm going to get into what that means here in just a few minutes. But within the vaccine, when you sit down to have your MMR vaccine, when you sit down to have your hepatitis A vaccine or your rabies vaccine, you are having injected, not only touching you, not only just touching the outside of your skin, but you are having injected into your body, into your bloodstream, dead body cells, aborted babies cells. It was a, a living being that was murdered. 
and their cells are put into that vaccine and it's shot into your arm. God tells us not to touch dead bodies. God tells us to avoid it, not, not to be around it, to stay away from it. But today, modern science, the modern authorities, they take the dead body of an innocent child that's been killed, they put it into a vial, into a hypodermic needle, and then they inject it and they shoot it into your bloodstream. Now, obviously that's a little bit more than touching it. But let me say this as well. You cannot be pro-life and pro-vaccine. It's not possible. You cannot be pro-life and pro-vaccine. One of the most popular vaccines is the MMR vaccine. And I just mentioned a, a, three of the popular vaccines that use dead aborted baby cells. De it's, it's, a feed, it's fetal cells, dead fetal cells, where they are taken and they are put inside of the vaccine and then shot into their arm. Again, Numbers 19.14 said, This is the law when a man dies in a tent. All that come into the tent... And all that is in the tent shall be unclean seven days. Why? Dead bodies are unclean. And by the way, the vocab of fetus, Brother Rick and I talked about this one time. A lot of people don't know this, but all that fetal or fetus means is baby. That's what it means. It's a Latin word that just means baby. And you have all of these like pro-abortion people that they try to like dehumanize the baby by like, oh, it's, but at that point it's not a baby, it's a fetus. Who's heard that? I've heard that tons of times. Well, it's not a baby yet, it's a fetus. Hey, moron, the word fetus means baby just in another language. So you're, you're ignorantly saying, you're saying it's not a baby, it's a baby in Latin. That's what you're saying. How ridiculous can you possibly be? It's just a Latin word that just means baby. That's all that fetus means. So when they say dead fetal cells, if you look up the ingredients online, go to CDC's website. They'll tell you everything that's in there. Fetus cells are in there. From a dead baby that was aborted, was killed with consent by its mother, and they either ripped it apart limb from limb as they do with forceps, or they, they used a saline solution where they burn it alive, literally. A living being. And you can watch. They have, other people have recorded what takes place while the child's kicking and you know, moving around and trying to move away. And they'll, they'll kill the baby. You cannot be pro-life and pro-vaccine. You cannot be. Why? Because vaccines include dead, aborted fetal cells. I want you to go to Leviticus chapter number 13, verse number 46. The other reason is why we're supposed to stay away from diseases. Well, guess what is inside of vaccines? Diseases. We're supposed to not come into contact with it. We're supposed to stay away from it. You're supposed to stay as far away from it as you can. Leviticus chapter number 13, verse number 46. <clears throat> now, the philosophy of God's Word and the philosophy of how we deal with disease and sickness and things like that is just this. We're supposed to stay away from disease and sickness. And if we're not sick, we don't need to go to the doctor. And we don't need to take these like precautionary steps and all of these preemptive steps in our lives. That is the philosophy of Jesus. That's the philosophy of the Bible. Matthew chapter number 9, verse number 12 says this. But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician. That's a doctor. But they that are sick. Notice what he said. They that be whole need not a physician. But they that are sick. And what is the purpose of a vaccine? The purpose of a vaccine is to take a healthy person. A person that has no problems, no sicknesses, no diseases. And what they say is, hey, come to the doctor. And then I'm going to, just for your own good, just for your own health, maybe later, I'm going to take this disease and I'm going to shoot it into you. That's in violation to Jesus' philosophy, to God's philosophy when it comes to doctors and when to go to the doctor. Jesus teaches to go to a doctor. There's times to go to a doctor. You know when? When you're sick. 
Not when you're healthy, not when you're whole, not when there's anything wrong with you. That's not a time to go to the doctor. We're supposed to stay away from disease and vaccines today, what they do is they don't really touch you with the disease. They don't only put you around the disease. They take the disease and they inject the disease into your body. They inject the virus into your body. Leviticus chapter 13 verse 46 again says, All the days wherein the plague shall be in him, he shall be defiled. He is unclean. Watch this. He shall dwell alone without the camp shall his habitation be. There is this theme just throughout the Bible when it's talking about sanitation, when it's talking about disease, when it's talking about sicknesses where the Bible says stay away from it. Things that are you know, uh, uh, harmful to you, viruses, diseases, you stay away from it. A perfect example of this is when God had the nation of Israel come into the land of Canaan. And there were all of these heathen nations there, all of these heathen kingdoms. And it talks about how they were, they were dirty, they were filled with disease. Do you know what God had them do to those nations? They would go in and they would destroy them, they would kill them, and they would burn everything down. They, would, they weren't allowed to take of the spoils. They destroyed everything, they burned it to the ground, and then they just left. Do you know why? Because God didn't want them touching the diseases. God didn't want them having anything to do with the diseases. God didn't want them getting around the viruses, around the sicknesses. He wanted them to avoid it and to stay away from it. Now, what takes place in the vaccines that are administered, it's the exact opposite. Their idea is, hey, let's take this virus, let's take this sickness, and we're going to inject it into your body. We're going to take this so that you can build up an immunity, right? Because we have an immune system. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to circumvent God's plan. Now, the immune system is meant to be a defense mechanism. That is the purpose of the immune system. The immune system is not to be on the offense, right? It's meant to be on the defense. You know what your goal should be in life? Not to get sick. I mean, that's pretty profound, isn't it? To stay away from viruses, to stay away from diseases, to stay away from sicknesses. The goal in life should be not to get sick. But guess what? Because God is an almighty, all-knowing creator, he knows that we will get sick. Because he created the world, right, to work a certain way. So he gave us a defense mechanism just in case we do get sick. And that is the purpose of your immune system. Just in case you do get sick, you have the immune system. What the, uh, the doctors are trying to do is they're trying to circumvent that. They're like, hey, let's just skip that whole step and let's just, you come in, I know you're whole and you, you don't, you know, Jesus said you don't need a physician, but let's go ahead and take that disease that you're supposed to stay away from, you're supposed to not even get near, and let's go ahead and shoot that into your arm and into your body and let's just try to build up. They're like Frankenstein. Well, they're trying to circumvent God's creation, they're trying to manipulate God's creation and God's system when God says, stay away from it. I want you to notice in that situation where the man dies in a tent. When he dies, it talks about an open vessel that's in the tent. What are they supposed to do with the vessel? Break it. Destroy it. You know what he didn't tell them to do? I've heard this before. This is a very good point. You know what he didn't tell them to do? You shouldn't go over there and maybe take some water and pour water into that vessel. Why did God say destroy the vessel? Because maybe whatever killed that man might be in that vessel. It could be airborne germs. She didn't say, hey, go over and take some water and pour it into that vessel and then ingest that. So maybe you can put that virus or put that sickness into your body to try to help you build up an immunity. God didn't say that. Do you know what he told him to do? Destroy it. 
burn, like he said with the, the cities, burn it with fire. Destroy everything. Stay away from it. And even when the priest goes into the tent, he's said to be unclean for seven days. What these vaccines include is they include live viruses and some dead viruses. Now, they claim that it builds your immunity, but it actually doesn't even build your immunity for a couple of reasons. And I'll get into the, the, the secondary reason in just a moment of all of the other bad ingredients that are harmful to you. But the first reason is because your body does not even learn how to use its immune system. Because what they do is they just give you just a small dosage of that virus. If you read about it, you see what they do. They minimize the strength of the virus and then they put it into your body. Because they don't want people walking around with like full-blown flu, right? Everybody's just like full-on, has the flu. That wouldn't make much sense. So they minimize the strength of the virus and then they inject it into your body. And then it just allows your body, you know, to build up just a little bit of immunity to it, right? The small immunity to it, supposedly, which it doesn't. It actually harms your immunity because of all the harmful substances. But not only that, your body never learns how to actually fight off the true virus. Because do you know what happens later when, the, when you actually get the virus in its full force and in its full natural form? Your body's not prepared to fight it. You didn't actually build up a full, strong enough immunity to fight the virus off because they only gave you just a minimal amount of it. The third reason is this is because it contains dead animals. So vaccines, they contain dead bodies from an aborted baby cells, right? It contains, as we just now saw, viruses, diseases, right? But not only that, it contains the cells of dead animals. Now, the first thing that it contains, you may have heard of, is it contains the cells from a baby chick. Embryo cells, right? There's a, you know, a, a while the, the chick is actually living, they kill the chick. Right before while it's growing, and then they take the cells, they extract the cells. It'll say egg protein is what they claim that it is. Well, it's, it's within the egg, and they stick a needle in there, and they pull the cells out of it at that point. So uh, it's, it's embryo cells is what it is, chicken embryo cells. This is, so this is in the influenza vaccine, yellow fever, MMR, and the rabies uh, shot all contain embryo cells. But not only that, this is what's very interesting. All vaccines are grown on a substrate of one of two things. One is what we already talked about, the, on the backs of a dead baby, on the backs of an aborted, on aborted baby cells. And then the other thing that they use is they use green African monkeys, right? People have heard of this probably. They use green African monkeys. So the way in which, and I'm going to explain to you, and I think you'll find this very interesting, and I think that you'll realize how unclean vaccines are when I'm done explaining to you how vaccines are actually manufactured. So they're used in one of two ways. Now, first let me explain this to you. There is a difference between just a regular bacteria that you would catch, like some sort of bacterial sickness, and a virus. Bacteria, the way that they operate is they get inside of your body, and then they just live inside of your body. Your body keeps it alive because it has to have a host. That's why it's a pest. It has to have a host. But a bacteria can replicate itself from itself. Like it's cloning itself, right? That's how bacteria works. That's how it spreads throughout your body and gets you sick. But viruses operate very differently. Viruses, they get inside your body and they also have to have a host, but they cannot replicate themselves from themselves. So what they do is they basically get behind the steering wheel, wherever they plant themselves on your cells, and they get behind the steering wheel 
and they start, they take over all the machine work within your cell, and instead of your cells reproducing itself, like maybe a skin cell reproduces a skin cell, they make your cells reproduce themselves. So they can't clone themselves from themselves. Viruses, what they do is they, they take over the machine work and then they, from your body, cause you to reproduce themselves. They're basically controlling it. Well, this is why they use babies, aborted cells, and then green African monkeys. That is the purpose because it is for influenza, it's for viruses. What they do is they have to have a host. And viruses, they cannot, they can't just be on a host and then just, you know, uh, 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 just create itself. So it has to be living on this host, something that is alive continually, and it will, re re uh, you know, replicate itself from the cells that it is living on. That is the difference between bacteria and viruses, right? So they need a substrate. They need a human being or some sort of being that they can grow it on. So in Almost all vaccines, they are grown on the substrate. The majority of them are grown on the substrate of green African monkeys. So do you know what they do? So all of your vaccination shots that you've ever gotten, this is how they were produced and this is how they were created. What they did was they took the vaccine for the flu or something like that, right? Like I said, it's almost all of them. But let's use the flu for example. They take that flu vaccine and they just take the flu in general. Not the vaccine, I'm sorry. They just take the flu, the pure you know, influenza, whatever strand. They take it and they have a green African monkey and they shoot that flu, influenza A, whatever strand it is, into the monkey. What ends up happening? The monkey can't, monkey dies. The monkey can't handle that. The flu, you know, for human beings, you know, it's crossing over, you know, uh, they can't handle that. So the monkey dies and it infects the other population. The monkey dies. You know what they do? They come over to the monkey they cut the monkey open and they extract cells from its kidneys, which has the virus. They extract cells from its kidneys where the virus is living inside of it. And you know what they do? They put it into a vial. And then they have all these other vials of all the other ingredients that they stick inside there as well. And then they come over to you and then they shoot that into your arm. That is where vaccines come from. Now, if that's not the definition of unclean, I don't know what is. So when we look at vaccines today, you have vaccines containing dead bodies, dead babies. What does the Bible tell you? Stay away from it. Why? Because it's unclean. It's not good for you. It's harmful for you. It's harmful to your body. Number two, it has diseases. It has viruses. And it's not even effective when you try to circumvent God's uh, 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 creation. The way that they do it, they just give it to you in a minimal amount and then your body never builds up a strong immunity for that which it's actually going to encounter out into the world. So it contains the viruses, it contains the diseases, but not only that, it contains dead carcasses. Now what did the Bible tell us very clearly and plainly in Leviticus earlier? It said to stay away from dead carcasses, to stay away from animals that have died, that are dead, right? They're supposed to stay away from it. So just as there was an influx of lung conditions in the 1940s and the 1950s, drastically there was an influx in lung conditions after doctors con you know, convinced the population to pick up smoking. Obviously the amount of citizens who were smoking increased and lung diseases and other lung conditions grew proportionately. Obviously that makes perfect sense, doesn't it? The first real mass vaccinations took place in 1923. It's diphtheria. 1924, tetanus. 
1940, pertussis. That's for the whooping cough, right? Then in 1948, those vaccines that I just mentioned were combined and culminated into one vaccine. DTaP, you probably heard of it, right? Autism also became prevalent in the U.S. in the 1940s. It was then that they first officially classified autism as a real disorder. And, and this was because of the growing cases in the United States of America. It's very easy just to do your research on your own. Hosea 4.6 says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Over the past 30 years, the vaccine schedule in America has tripled. This just took place in the past 30 years. It started in the 1980s. The vaccine schedule has tripled. It tripled. Not only does the CDC recommend more doctor visits to receive more vaccines, the quantity within each vaccine has increased. The ingredients list has gotten longer as they add new items into the needle. Over the past 30 years, the autism rate has also grown continually. Proportionately, just like when the doctors recommended for people to pick up smoking. And we saw the proportionate growth with lung disease. In 1970, as I read to you earlier, <clears throat> 1 in 10,000 children were autistic. Today, 1 in 50 of every child has autism. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, verse number 19. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, verse number 19. So we as Christians were commanded to stay away from that which is unclean. We're supposed to stay away from that which is filthy, that which is dirty. We're supposed to be separated and set apart. Now this is in our spiritual lives as well. We're supposed to stay away from things that are, that are uh, immorally wrong. Things that are sinful. That, you know, fornication, adultery, stealing, theft. All of these things, we're supposed to stay away from those things, right? So it, there's the spiritual aspect, but God has physical commands as well for us. Looking out for us and saying, hey, stay away from things that are dirty. Stay away from things that are contaminated. Stay away from things that are you know, unclean, diseases, dead bodies, all of these types of things. God looks out for our spiritual health and our physical health. Third John chapter 1, there's only one chapter. Verse 2 says this, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. He cares about both. He cares about our health and our spiritual life. We are to stay away from that which is unhealthy and unclean, things that are harmful or toxic to human life. So I had you turn where? First, 1 Corinthians 6? Okay, 1 Corinthians 6. Let's look at that first, then we're going to flip over. I want to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, look at verse 19. We'll see some New Testament, New Testament commands where it's speaking, and you could apply this to the physical and the spiritual. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Notice both. I want you to flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. So it applies in two ways. You can see the spiritual and you can see the fleshly. We should take care of our bodies and our health because it is the temple of the Holy Ghost. We should also keep our spirit clean. We should also keep our soul clean. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3 verse number 16 says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, in which temple ye are. So notice it's about the physical and it's about the spiritual. We can see it ties in with both. Now if we look at 1 Corinthians 6, it speaks about fornication. Obviously we know that's physical. That's fleshly. It's an immoral sin that you're supposed to stay away from. But God cares about 
also our bodies. Why? This is the temple of the Holy Ghost. We should take care of our bodies. We should stay away from things that are unclean. We should stay away from things that are toxic, that are, that toxic, that are harmful, that are dangerous to us. I'm going to read to you a couple of thing, other ingredients that are found in vaccines. The very first thing is formaldehyde. These are other ingredients. Formaldehyde are found in all vaccines that are produced today. Formaldehyde is added to vaccines purely and exclusively as a preservative. It is just to make sure that it stays uh, uh, fresh, right? It doesn't become contaminated. Formaldehyde, you may be familiar with this, it's used in embalming processes. That is what, that is the primary ingredient when they embalm uh, a dead body. That's what they use is formaldehyde. It's, it's used in embalming processes when somebody dies. Formaldehyde has been labeled by the National Cancer Institute and the EPA as a known and probable carcinogen. Now, if you're not familiar with what a carcinogen is, that means it's cancer-causing. Formaldehyde has been labeled by the National Cancer Institute and the EPA as being a probable or known carcinogen. And this is what is in, it's, these are in, uh, in the ingredients. They are incorporated into all vaccines today as a preservative. I think I told you about this. When I worked in Phoenix, right, you know what I'm going to say? When I worked in Phoenix, Arizona as a project manager, you have to walk the jobs with the uh, client. So I went to go walk a job one day and I, I, I managed the hospital, the jobs that we did at the hospital. And this particular area was where surgeries took place. And there was a certain specific room that I had to go into. And when we got to the outside of the room, the lady was like, well, hold on a second, we got to go over here. And we suited up into a hazmat suit. We put a hazmat suit on. We got back over to the room that I had to enter into, and there was a sign that was posted on the outside of the door that said, formaldehyde in use, carcinogen danger. That room was used just like how it is for embalming purposes, right? They, that's where they, since it was next to the surgical area, they kept all of the, you know, maybe the kidney transplants, the liver transplants, all of this, the, these different body parts that they were getting ready to surgically install or they had maybe removed and were going to put into somebody else. And you know what they did was they used formaldehyde, just like they do it in the embalming process, as a preservative to preserve those body parts. And before I even walked into that room, that lady said, let's go over here and get dressed. And we put on what we referred to as a bunny suit or a hazmat suit. And then they said, okay, it's safe to enter. Do you know what everybody understood? That's unclean. We should stay away from it. We shouldn't touch it. It's harmful. It's dangerous. And then I get to the door and it says formaldehyde in use, danger, carcinogen. Why? Because the National Cancer Institute has proven that it causes cancer. The National, you know, or the EPA has proven that it causes cancer. Formaldehyde? If you've had a vaccine, you've had a known carcinogen, something that in order just to be around it, just they don't even want it in the air and touching you. They, you have to put a hazmat suit on. You've had that shot into your arm, which is a known carcinogen. Why are people being destroyed? Why is one out of 50 children being diagnosed with autism today? What's the reason why? Well, maybe it has something to do with formaldehyde. Maybe it has something to do with these dangerous ingredients that are being shot into people's arms that even, even those that do research and study, they're well aware that, hey, this causes cancer. But go to your doctor and it's safe all of a sudden. Put it into a vial and let's shoot it into you. Along with aborted fetal cells, 
along with cells from the kidney of a green African monkey, along with all these other viruses and diseases. I mean, it's disgusting. If anything's filthy and unclean, that sounds pretty stinking filthy. What if I didn't tell you that it was in a vaccine, but I just told you it was in some kind of container and I handed it to you? How would you feel about it? You'd be like, whoa, get that away from me. Well, this is actually what goes into vaccinations. Oh, okay, that's all right. Go ahead. Shoot me up, right? It's ridiculous. It's stupid and it's crazy. But why? Well, the, the medical professionals say it's okay. It's been lab tested. It's been lab, lab approved. You know what it is? It's tobacco stinking science. That's what it is. It's crap science. That's what it is. It's garbage science like, like has existed all throughout mankind. Stupid science. Retarded science. Like evolution. Not an untested, stupid science. That's exactly what it is. It's garbage. It's not real science. You know what it is? It's lying in somebody's stinking pocketbook is what it is. I don't believe for a second that those doctors thought cigarettes were healthy. When I was reading that garbage, I was like, you all are a bunch of stinking liars. I read a couple of articles that doctors wrote in the 1930s trying to convince people that cigarettes were good for you. Why are you trying to convince them? Because people are like, there's no way this is good for you. Why did he say, take your doctor's advice? Because people didn't want to. You know why? Because it's obvious to everyone, even the doctor, that it's not healthy for you. That it wasn't good for you. But you know what was going on? They were getting kickbacks. They were being paid to say, doctors are good, or cigarettes are good. Why? Because the cigarette manufacturer makes money. Because the cigarette manufacturer is paying them. The love of money is the root of all evil. Because they want money, that's why. I don't believe for a second that these doctors think that formaldehyde being injected into your body is good for you. You'd have, to be, you'd have to be mentally retarded to think that. That's ridiculous. That over here it causes cancer and it's a known carcinogen, but over here, once it's put into your stinking bloodstream, all of a sudden it's all right. It doesn't cause cancer anymore. What do you mean? Am I supposed to just you know, check my brain at the door before I go into the doctor's office and all of a sudden formaldehyde's okay? It's all just changed even though... You know, the, the material safety data sheet and the National Cancer Institute and the EPA says, don't get near it. Put that hazmat suit on before you get around it. Right. How ridiculous do you have to be? Do you know what God said thousands of years ago? Stay away from that which is unclean. Stay away from that which is dirty. Formaldehyde is not the worst ingredient. It's not the... I want to read this to you though. Here are the toxicological properties. Avoid inhalation. These instructions and effects. Avoid inhalation, ingestion, absorption through skin and eyes. Effects. Death if inhaled or absor absor uh, absorbed. This is the material safety data sheet, by the way. Um, uh, uh, severe eye irritation and burns. Allergic uh, uh, skin burns. Sp skin burns, excuse me. Uh, bronchitis, pulmonary edema, headache, dizziness, nausea. Vomiting, abdominal pain, blindness, nasal cancer, respiratory tract irritation, reproductive disorders, asthma, dermatitis, multiple organ damage. These are the effects of being exposed to formaldehyde. Not only that, they also contain aluminum. All metal is bad for you and it's not meant to be in your body, by the way. Aluminum. It, it, it obviously should never be in your body. Here is uh, MSDS. Aluminum is considered a light metal, by the way. It's obviously still bad for you, but they're contained, they're contained in vaccines. and They're used as a preservative and an adjuvant, uh, but I'll get to that in just a minute. Uh, an adjuvant. Uh, 
So they're severely dangerous. Merc uh, uh, oh, I did, I, you know what? I'm not going to read the MSDS. I didn't include that one. But here's the, for mercury. This is the, by far the most dangerous ingredient that's in vaccines. Mercury is severely toxic to human beings. It is considered a heavy metal, which all heavy metals are bad and should not be in your body. Heavy metals are very bad. Now, when it comes to mercury and eating fish, what do they tell you? They will say, like, hey, you shouldn't eat fish. It contains mercury. But do you know what's in all vaccines today? It's called thimerosal. It's a synthetic mercury. It's ethyl mercury in all of them. All of them. It has the same properties as natural and organically found mercury. At the top of the mercury MSDS, the, the uh, material safety, safety data sheet. This is from, like, the EPA, and they, they study these chemicals and, you know, and all of that. At the very top of the mercury material safety data sheet, it had a special emergency that was not found on the other MSDS, I noticed. It was an emergency overview, and this is what it said. Danger! Exclamation point. Corrosive. This substance has caused adverse reproductive and fetal effects in animals. May be absorbed through intact, uh, uh, intact skin. May cause central nervous system effects. May cause liver and kidney damage. Inhalation of fumes may cause metal fume fever. Possible sensitizer. Toxic if inhaled. Causes irritation and possible burns by all routes of exposure. Target organs, blood, kidneys, central nervous system, liver, brain. You know what autism is? It's a brain disorder, obviously. It's an issue. It's, brain, it's caused from brain damage. And it's a central nervous system disorder. You know what Mercury's primary thing that was repeated over and over there was? Brain damage and central nervous system disorders. Over and over again. It just kept talking about, I don't know if you were paying attention to that, but it, re it repeated actually central nervous system, I believe, three times. Possible sensitizer, over and over and over again. Mercury is only included to be used as an adjunct. Now, I want an adjuvant. I want you to think about this, and, and this is the, the very last thing that I'm going to get into when it comes to the chemicals on this. But in Europe, mercury is banned. I don't know if you're aware of that, but mer mercury is banned from vaccines, from foods, and all those types of things. You know why? Because of what I just read to you. They've done the tests themselves, and they were honest enough to say, hey, we need to remove this out of a lot of stuff. It's super highly toxic to human beings. Mercury is very bad. Any heavy metal is very bad, Right? Mercury spills are handled with hazmat suits as well. If mercury is spilled, when a dentist, and obviously it's terrible to have it in a filling even, like they put in your fillings, but when the dentist removes it from your filling, they have very specific instructions and a, a protocol that they have to follow the way in which they dispose of that. Why? Because if it comes in contact with anybody else, it'll hurt them. But it was just in your mouth. And they just removed that out of your mouth. But they have to be very careful in the way in which they handle that. Now, uh, I'm going to go over a couple of these other... Now, here, let me explain to you what an, what an adjuvant is. Because that's what mercury is. So I hope you understand how these vaccines work and everything. Now, mercury is used as an adjuvant. What an adjuvant is, is it is something that is used to stimulate a response from your immune system. Now, I want you to think about this real quick, and you'll understand why it's, it's, it's like in your face bad. It's like so obvious that it's not good. What it is, is they put the, the, the virus in your body in such a small, minimal amount that your body doesn't necessarily want to respond to it. It doesn't look or appear like it's a major threat, right? So it kind of overlooks the virus if they just put the virus in by itself. What an adjuvant is, 
is the adjuvant's purpose is to, is to provoke a response from your immune system. Do you know why? Because your body hates heavy metals. Because your body hates heavy metals because it's very toxic and very, very bad for you. Right? That's why it stores metals. I don't know if you've heard this or read this or, or anything, but it'll store metals like in your bones and in your joints and stuff, and it'll, it'll store it in areas like anything that's toxic to you, it moves it out of your blood and out of your skin, and it'll like, it can't get rid of it because it can't go through your kidneys and in your body. So it stores it in like these pockets of like, like where your joints are and your bones and things like that. It'll, it'll put it in places like that. So they put the, this, this heavy metal, this mercury, and they couple it with the virus. And then they send them both in together so that your immune system sees the mercury and it's like, that's bad, I'm taking care of that. Right? I'm going to beat the, the, you know, this thing out of here. It starts fighting the mercury and then you know what else it sees because they're coupled together? The virus. So that's what gets it to respond to the virus and then supposedly causes your body to build up an immunity to it. Right? So... The whole purpose that it's put into your body, and they say, but this is their argument, but it's in small amounts. It's just in little, low doses. They have a major problem when, I, when, when, you, when you look at the effects of mercury. Isn't it kind of a coincidence that this mass epidemic of autism all has all of the same side effects that mercury does? But then they tell you, but it's just in small amounts. It won't cause anything. But then I go and I look, and so you say, oh, I'm putting mercury into your vaccine, I'm going to shoot you up with it. We look at all the people in the United States, we look at their side effects and what is taking place with autism, what is happening with the brain damage, the, the issues with the, search, the, the central nervous system, and what's going on with these people, and then we go over and we look at mercury, and it's the exact same side effects. All of it. We're like, no, it's just in small doses, it's not hurting you. You know why mercury is so dangerous? It's by far the most toxic. Not only because of how toxic it is, but why it's so dangerous to your body. Heavy metals are in their nanoparticles. Nano is a billionth, right? You know, you have like milli, you know, you have centi, which is hundredth, milli, which is million. You have nano, which is billionth. It's a billionth of a particle. Do you know how small that is? When I test fiber, we test billionths of a meter. It's a nanometer. When we t the light that's shot through there. That is one billionth of a measurement, of a particle. One billionth. That's how mercury breaks down. God gave us something called a blood-brain barrier. Your brain is everything for you. Your brain is the most important part to your body. If you get your arm cut off, both your legs cut off, your other arm cut off, I mean, that's horrible. But, I mean, you're still alive. You get your head cut off, you're a goner. You know, that is what controls everything. It's your thought process. It's, you know, your brain is the most, it's, your, it's the central, you know, uh, uh, hub of who you are. So God gave you this special, this really special system, which is a defense mechanism, which is called the blood-brain barrier. Virtually nothing can get through that barrier, except for things that are in nanoparticles. Did you know that? Things that are in nanoparticles are able to penetrate that blood-brain barrier barrier. Mercury can penetrate the blood-brain barrier. Mercury, when put into the bloodstream, is capable of penetrating that blood-brain barrier and getting into the brain. And you know what it causes? Brain damage. Now, uh, not only does it cause brain damage from toxicity, but 
all of the side effects that these children, and obviously probably a lot of people here have looked this up, the children that get the vaccine, there are thousands, thousands, hundreds of thousands of testimonies from parents that said, I went and I had my child vaccinated. Two hours later, they went into convulsions and seizures. They were throwing up. They were running a fever. They had all, there are thousands, hundreds of thousands of parents that have said that this has happened to their, children's, their children over and over and over again. This, these are the exact symptoms of being overexposed to mercury. You know what it's doing is it's penetrating the blood-brain barrier. Children in the United States of America get like 10 times the amount of vaccinations. Do you know what's happening in the early stages of life for a child as well? They're still developing. Do you know what's not fully developed yet? Their blood-brain barrier. See what's happening is these kids are being poisoned by mercury. When you get, when you get metal into you, it causes an infection. That's why your body fights it. It's in, it infects you. Like if you, you know, oftentimes like a nail, you know, the metal gets into you, what'll happen? It'll cause an infection, won't it? Metal's not good for your body. Well, when you get an infection, what takes place? Like in your hand or something, if you get it in there, what takes place to your hand? What's it going to do? It'll, it'll start to swell up, on it? When you have an infection in an area, how do you tell whether something's infected? It'll swell up. Well, if your hand swells up, it's not that big of a deal, is it? Do you know what happens when you get mercury into your brain? Do you know what's going to take place? It's infected. You know what it's going to do? It's going to cause your brain to swell. Now that's not like your hand swelling, because you know what, take, this is where the majority of brain damage comes from. When people hit their head or something and they have a trauma, a lot of times it's not just from you know, the banging of their head around, but it's, it's the jolting of their head causes their, their brain to swell. Where's your brain going to go when it swells? Nowhere. Nowhere. It's going to collapse upon itself. It's gonna, you know, it would eventually implode if it continued to swell. And you know what it does when it swells inside of the skull? It causes damage. Permanent damage upon your brain that's never going to go away. That is the result that mercury would bring about. It would infect you and it would cause you to swell up. That's why it's an adjuvant. Because your body doesn't like it. Because it's an infection that takes place in the body. Real quickly, the other, I'm just going to list them, the other uh, different uh, 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 known carcinogens or possible carcinogens, depending if we're talking about the National Cancer Institute or the EPA, are Triton. These are all po a probable or known carcinogens by the EPA. Triton, polysorbate 80, glyphosate, that's in Roundup, by the way, formaldehyde and MSG. All five of those ingredients are all in vaccinations. All of them. In 2011, there was a Supreme Court case in the United States of America. It was Brusewitz versus Wyeth. This, and, and, and Hannah Brusewitz was a little girl that was injured by a vaccine. Uh, this was produced by Wyeth Company. She has the same story that everybody has. Uh, you know, the, the child, two hours after the DTP shot, she became sick, having seizures and much more. The Supreme Court voted, ultimately, in favor for the manufacturer. The purpose of, the, of the, the, the court case being brought to the Supreme Court was this. In 1986, under Ronald Reagan, there was an act that was passed called the Childhood Vaccine Injury Act. This act was meant to protect vaccine manufacturers from being sued. 
Vaccine manufacturers and the industry of vaccine producing or production is the only industry in the United States of America where you cannot sue the company that produced the vaccine. Now, I want you to understand how this works exactly. There is no litigation that is ever allowed to take place in a vaccine manufacturer. In any way, 2000, the purpose of that case that I just read to you was in 2011, they ruled that that act protected them from any and all litigation. It is not possible to sue any of the vaccine manufacturers nor anyone that administers the vaccines. Now, let me explain how far this goes because this question has been posed. Even if, because of this litigation, why if manufacturer decided to put cyanide into their vaccine, you cannot sue them by law. Because that's what the law says. There, no litigation, period, is allowed. If they did it accidentally or purposely, it's against the law to sue the company. There is no industry in the United States of America where, you, where they're not liable. Now, that right there should pose a very big red flag that these people are saying, hey, we need protection so that we can never be sued. Why? Why would you need protection? Why would you need to be protected from being sued or litigation or legal matters? If your product's safe, then it shouldn't matter. People aren't being harmed. You can go into a court case and they can prove that this didn't take place from the vaccine. Now, that alone should scare you. Well, since all of these, obviously the, the, the injuries haven't ceased. People are still being harmed from the vaccines. So you know what the United States government did? They've created a special court called the Vaccine Injury Compensation Court. The manufacturers aren't paying you. Since uh, uh, 2002, I believe, there's been $4.2 billion that's been paid, at, paid out from the Vaccine Compensation Court. $4.2 billion where parents have went in with their child and in a court of law they have proven without a shadow of a doubt that their child was injured from a vaccine. The manufacturer didn't pay. Do you know who paid? You. You paid. They, they took your money, taxpayers, and they funneled that money through this court case and all these kids are still being injured. The vaccines aren't safe. They're actually getting more dangerous if you look over the timeline of when the different ingredients are being added. They're getting more dangerous. Doesn't that make perfect sense with more people being harmed? But they have litigation where you can never sue us. It doesn't matter if they put something radioactive. It doesn't matter if they put cyanide, something like horribly poisonous. You cannot sue them. But instead, people are still being injured. And do you know actually what the classification of why you cannot sue them is? This is a Supreme Court case, and this is the exact statement verbatim. Why they said you can never sue them is because vaccines are, quote, listen very carefully unavoidably unsafe. Do you hear what I just said? The litigation was passed, or the, the, this law was passed that you can never sue vaccine manufacturers is because their product is considered, quote, classified as unavoidably unsafe. They've admitted it. They've admitted it. They've paid out $4. billion. As the autism rate grows the vaccine dosage grows proportionately. As the doctors increased by their persuasiveness for people to continue smoking, you know what started to grow? Lung disease, lung cancer, proportionately. 
Hosea 4, 6 says, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. For a lack of knowledge. Why? Wouldn't everybody agree that the Bible very clearly teaches that you should stay away from vaccines? Now, does it use the word vaccine? No. But you know what? Vaccines contain things that you should stay away from. Dead bodies. Stay away from it. Why? It's unclean. What else? Diseases. Stay away from it. It's unclean. You know, things that are dangerous to your health. Toxic. There's a time in the Bible where Moses makes people, you know, uh, 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 ingest a heavy metal. There is. Why? As a punishment. Because it's bad. Because it's harmful. Because it hurts them. And he's like, oh yeah? You want to serve this golden idol? Drink it. And ingest it. Why? Because it, it, it was a punishment to them. Bible, and so it, it's saying it's not good. I wouldn't do this otherwise. This is your punishment. These are things that the Bible says are unclean and that you should stay away from. Diseases, dead bodies. If you're pro-vaccine, you can't be pro-life. I want to end with the spiritual applications very quickly. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. I'll give you a spiritual application. When we get saved, we're made a new creature. We're made a new creature. Our soul is renewed. We're given life. But guess what? The old man is still there. That flesh is still there. That, that, that old dead man is still there. You know what? The new man is alive and he's living. And the, the flesh is that which is unclean. The old man is the, is the dead man. Right? It's, it's bad. You know what? The Bible over and over again tells us to walk in the spirit that you don't fulfill. That you should not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You know what it's telling you is to stay away from the old man. It's telling you to stay away from the dead body. You know why? Because it's unclean. Stay away from that dead body. And you know what it does? When you get in the flesh and you walk in the flesh, it breaks your fellowship with the congregation, doesn't it? It breaks your fellowship with God. Well, in the Old Testament, we look at touching the dead body. It's considered unclean. That's a picture of your flesh. That's a picture of your old man. You know what God says? Stay away from it. Don't walk in the flesh. Stay away from the old man. Stay away from the dead body. Stay away from the flesh. And if they touched it, you know what they said? You're unclean. You've got to stay outside the congregation. You know what it did? It broke their fellowship with the congregation. When you walk in the flesh and you live a worldly sinful life, you know what it's going to do? It's going to break your fellowship with other Christians. It's going to break it for many reasons. But it's going to, it's going to cause you to be separated from the congregation. You know what it is? Unclean. We need, to, we need to get back to actually learning the Bible. This is a major major error in modern Christianity and the Baptist today is that people aren't actually learning and teaching the Bible. It's just flowery sermons. Instead of preaching and teaching to where people actually understand and they're growing in knowledge. And as a result of it, and if you paid attention in Hosea 4, he's speaking to the priest. Whose job was it to, to teach? The priest. He's saying, hey, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. We need to get back to... Obviously... I'm referring to pastors need to teach and preach the Bible, but you know what? You have a Bible too. You need, to, you need to get some smarts yourself and sit down and learn the Bible and, and, and get some knowledge. You know what? There's two sides of this coin. Number one, you need to stay away from that which is physically unclean. God, it's not only this spiritual moral book. 
He says, hey, stay away from that which is dirty. He gives you advice that would help you. Stay away from dead bodies. Stay away from viruses and diseases. Stay away from dead animals. Stay away from all of these things. Things that are toxic, that are harmful to you. Stay away from you. But you know what else? You just stay away from sin. Stay away from things that are immoral. Stay, you know, those things are toxic too. They're toxic to your soul. They're toxic to your spirit. They're harmful to your, to your soul. So you know what we need to We need our, our bodies to prosper and be in health. We also want our souls to prosper. And that picture in the Old Testament that we, could, that we can take away from when God says, don't touch the dead body, you know what he's saying? Don't walk in that old dead man. Don't touch that old dead flesh. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. I want you to look with me at verse number 17. He says, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. We need to be concerned about our spiritual health and our physical health. And we need to stay away from that which is unclean. And Christians should not vaccinate because it's unclean. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for giving us knowledge in a world that's confused and stupid and, and uh, uh, just lacks knowledge and, and uh, uh, just goes about with every whim that, that comes uh, around the corner. We love you and we, we, we thank you for your word. We ask you that you'd bless everyone that's here. Uh, uh, bless the service that we're going to have tonight. Bless all the families. And uh, just continue to be with us. Uh, and uh, bless our church. And we love you so much. And in Jesus' Christ.